Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Hey, we're in the book of Proverbs and uh, pursuing God and His wisdom. And I want you to take your Bibles. I hope you have them. We use them every week. Turn to the, the second chapter of Proverbs, where we were uh, last week, beginning in verse 1. But today, we want to look at the entire chapter, 22 verses, because these 22 verses are, a, are, are one address. They're a, they're, a, they're a poem. This is Hebrew poetry, wisdom literature. It's in the form of poetry. And this is one of the poems that Solomon uh, penned and communicated to his coming-of-age son about how life really works the way God intended. Let me read, you follow along. Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. This is God's Word. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding... Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. His mouth, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who... Live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his loyal followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will delight your heart. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you, rescuing you from the way of evil. From the one who says perverse things. From those who abandon right paths to walk in ways of darkness. From those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion. Whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman. From a stranger with her flattering talk who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. So follow the way of good people and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those of integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous uprooted from it. This is God's Word. Solomon, in this poem, in this passage, wrote to his young coming-of-age son that if he would pursue God with all of his heart, that he would know God and God's wisdom, and that he would be protected from sinful men and seductive women. That's what he's saying in this passage. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that's nice, that's good, but pastor, what's in this for me? I mean, what's in it for me? So what if I pursue God? So what if I pursue God's wisdom? I mean, what's the benefit? What's the payoff? Why should I, 
Why should I do that? What is the, what's in it for me? That's a legitimate question. Are there any benefits? And the answer is yes. Many, many benefits. And here they are. If you pursue wisdom, you can be protected and transformed. You can be transformed and protected. Now let me explain this. Let me unpack this from this passage just a moment. The first benefit is this. If you will pursue wisdom intently, God transforms you. God transforms you. That's the first benefit. And I mean, transforms you for the better. Uh, your heart and your life will be renovated, will be renewed, will be transformed by God. And here's, here's how it works. Let me see your eyes a second. We're going to look down through verse 11 and you'll find three, two steps and one outcome. Here they are. You get real with God and He'll get real with you and you will change. You get real with God, He'll get real with you, and then you change. That's the way, that's the way it happens. That's how the benefit comes. Now, we looked at this first part last week, so we're going we're to kind of sprint through this. So take a deep breath and get ready to move uh, uh, relatively uh, quick here. First of all, you run toward God in His wisdom. You get real with God. Look at verses 1 through 4. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Once again, just let me call your attention to the urgency of God's Word here. Uh, if you will follow all of the verbs progressively through those first four Passages, you'll see that uh, that they step it. Each step is a step up in intensity. What he's saying here is this: No one drifts into a reverent personal relationship with God. No one accidentally stumbles upon the wisdom of God for skillful living. You got to get after it. You got to work hard at it. He's saying, run toward God and His wisdom with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, time, money, relationships, responsibilities, all that you are. I mean, you want to be like this picture on the screen. You want to be, make sure that you're like a cat running after a mouse. Not like a mouse looking for a cat. Afraid you might find one. You've got to go. You've got to give it all. You've got to be really, really focused. And so first of all, you run toward God. You get real with God. And second, then He becomes real to you. He becomes real to you. In verses 5 through 8, God becomes real to you. Here we go. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that He may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of His loyal followers. Here's what will happen. You get real with God. Here's what it looks like for Him to get real with you. Then you will know uh, God. You will know, understand the fear of the Lord. This means that you will begin to feel differently about the God of the Bible, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will, be, you will begin to develop profound feelings of reverence, of awe, of respect, of love, of admiration for the Lord 
Jesus Christ. You will understand the fear of the Lord. You will feel deeply about Him. And, and also, you will know Him personally. You'll discover the knowledge of God. He, he's saying here, if you seek my wisdom, you'll find me. Now, this sounds like kind of circular reasoning here, saying, well, if you seek wisdom, you'll find a reverent personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you seek a reverent personal relationship with Christ, you'll find wisdom. Well, that's kind of circular. It is circular, but it's also true. That's what he's saying here. Seek my wisdom and you'll find me. Seek me and you'll find my wisdom. You cannot lose here. Uh, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father above. And so verse 6 says it is from uh, the Lord's mouth. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. When God becomes real to you, He gives you wisdom, knowledge, understanding, success, resources, and protection in this life. Now the key, this is all about desiring God. It's all about desiring God. So he makes, in verse 7, he makes sure that these benefits come to, to people he describes three ways. The upright, those who live with integrity, and are his loyal followers. The upright, those who live with integrity, and his loyal followers. So how does one become a loyal follower of Jesus? How does one become someone who lives with integrity? Or uh, how does someone become upright? Does that mean that you are, that you are perfect? No, this is a Hebrew term that does not imply sinlessness. It implies a heart that belongs to God. So are you, are you upright? So I'm upright, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. Are you righteous all the time? I mean, all the cotton-picking time, every time? Do you always do what's right and always want what's right? Are you, are you a person who lives with integrity? You have an undivided heart. You say you follow Jesus and it shows up on the inside and the outside. You always do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and really want to. Well, all the time? Well, maybe probably not all the time. Are you always a loyal follower of Jesus Christ and never disobey? No. What? Let me say it for you. No, you don't. No, I don't. I don't. So, so... Do you have to live a life of uprightness all the time with integrity to receive these benefits that come from Christ? Well, if so, we're in trouble, aren't we? We are in trouble. Because no one can do this. No one lives out this all the time. That's, this, this is why we, it reminds us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. It, it, it is a blessing in that it reminds us that we have a fallen condition in our heart and that in our lives that reminds us that we are people who are still sinful, who need a, a Savior to atone for our sin and to represent us and to transform us and to keep us. Uh, and so, well, then how do you do that? Well, this happens only through faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Only through faith in Him to fully atone for our sin and represent us on the cross and offer forgiveness and reconciliation and adoption into His family, living life here and hereafter under the care and supervision of the God 
of the Bible. So remember, I'm not saying here, you got to do better. You better step up the righteousness. You better step up the blamelessness. You better step up the integrity. You better step up your loyal following of Jesus because you got to do better or you're in trouble. Now, that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. For remember, Christianity is not, listen closely, it is not, okay, I follow the Lord loyally and then I live with integrity and then I'm upright in my lifestyle and I obey Him and then God accepts me. No. Because you can't do that. You can't do that. The, the basic principle of Christianity, the gospel of following Jesus is this. I and we are accepted fully by God the Father only through our faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I obey and I follow Him and I'm upright in His eyes and I live with integrity. The benefits come after trusting Christ. Now, so, so how do you know if you are there? How do you know if you're pursuing God and desiring God? Well, it's just that. Let's take, let's take that spiritual thermometer and let's put it under the tongue of our souls and see if it measures whether or not you have a desire for God or not. Do you? I mean, do you, des do you desire God? Do you feel anything toward... Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want to know Him? Do you want to know Him? Do you want to obey Him? Do you want to live uprightly and according to His ways? Do you want to be a, a loyal follower? Is that something you want to... Not that you're accomplishing it all the time. Not that you don't struggle against the leftovers of, of our old sinful nature. But, but that you, that's, now you now love Him and you want to please Him and you, want, you like Him and you want to know God and, the, and you're interested in the things of God. Are you interested in that? Because if you're not... You're probably not in the kingdom. You're probably not a Christian. You're probably not saved. You're probably not born again, born anew, born spiritually. You probably not have received God's gift of eternal and abundant life. Say, so you, you can't tell that. No, I can't. But God can, and you better. And you better, because He says there's, there's evidence in our, in our own souls to let us know, are we in the kingdom? Are we... Are we in Christ? He said, you can't tell me that because I was baptized by my granddaddy in that little church. I don't remember it. I was so little. But my mama told me I was. And, and I, you know, and, and I, I'd walked an aisle. And what does that mean? You know, I thought that's, you got married. Walk, walk in an aisle. But, and, and so I, but wait a minute. But you have, but you have absolutely no interest in actively pursuing a reverent, personal, loving relationship with Christ, and you want to know Him, and you you want to you don't you don't have that. I think you're in trouble because this indicates that you want Him and you're pursuing Him, uh, and to receive these great benefits. Well, Pastor, you you, you keep talking like that, you're going to run people off. Well, where am I going to run you to hell number two? You're already and you're already off. You're already run off. See, I worry about I worry about our culture because we live in a Christianized culture. Some some call it cultural 
Christianity, which basically is no Christianity at all. But it just says, well, you know, I, I, I know about these things and, you know, I've always been, always been a Christian. Really? Nobody's always. So I worry. And I worry that something happened to you when you were very young or you did some kind, went through some kind of religious exercise and what it did was it inoculated you. It vaccinated you to protect you from getting the real thing. So how you doing with that? You get real with God. He gets real with you. And then something happens. And it's not that the music started playing outside. Y'all just, just all did something really funny here. Y'all hear that noise out there? It's that party that we're not at yet. Did you, do you know my, one of my life mottos is I just know there's a party going on somewhere and I'm missing it. Well, right now there really is. You're missing one right now. It's outside. Uh, but all of a sudden the music started and everybody's head went. I mean, phew, it was, oh, okay, we're back to the sermon now. But that's okay. It's just this, you'll get there in a few minutes. That's what's going on. Here we go. First benefit. You get real with God. He gets real with you, and you change. God transform you, transforms you. You get transformed. Look at verses 9 through 11. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind, and knowledge will delight your heart, and discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. What a change. Here we go. Here's how He changes you. Your daily life gets better. Your daily life will change for the better. God will make you to know righteousness and justice and fairness in all of your dealings with people that you encounter in, this, in every realm of your life. Your goals for your spiritual life, for your health, for your mental life, your intellectual life, for your emotions and your relationships, for your finances and your career. You will know how to deal rightly and righteously, justly and fairly, with all people and circumstances because God will make you righteous and just and fair in your heart. You won't have to have someone standing over you, beating you over the head all the time, telling you what you what to do next or that you ought to be doing something. No, no, no. You won't need a list of rules for every situation. You will have a desire for God and you will have a desire for His ways of living and you won't do this because you have to. You will do it because you want to. That's how you can tell. What do you want? What do you want? You'll want to. Wisdom will enter your mind. Knowledge will give you joy in your heart. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Here's what He'll do. Here's what He'll do. He will transform you from a naive, gullible, inexperienced, ignorant, pig-headed, apathetic, indifferent, mocking fool into a wise, knowledgeable, discerning, shrewd, understanding, upright, righteous, just, fair, and loyal follower of Jesus Christ who is skillful in living in every realm of life. Your heart and your life will change, transform, be renovated, be renewed, and made better by God. And so that's the first benefit. You'll change. God will change you. Second one is this. Jot this down. God protects you. 
God protects you, and He protects you from two kinds of people. Number one, He protects you from devious people. Look at verses 12 uh, through 15. Rescuing you from the way of evil, from the one who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. Now, Solomon... Here's the context. Solomon, remember, is teaching his uh, coming-of-age son, who's probably into the early ages of adolescence. Puberty has has kicked in uh, with all of its um, uh, challenges. So he's speaking to his son, and he's warning him against about devious, deceitful, perverse, crooked people. But this applies to everyone. It's any parent instructing a son or a daughter. It applies uh, to all. So we're told here that the second benefit of pursuing God and His wisdom is protection. Protection from evil, perverse, crooked, devious people who seek to influence them to join in with them. This is, this is not a scenario where they are attacking, someone is attacking someone else. It is, it is, a, it is a persuasive moment where we are being persuaded, we call it peer pressure today, but persuaded uh, with, with, by cool, usually powerful, influential, with it people who we kind of admire, who are very effectively persuading us to join them in twisting the, the rules a little bit in life. Uh, and they're easy to pick out. Here they are. They abandon, look at it, he, he describes them. They abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness. They enjoy doing evil. They celebrate perversion. Their paths are crooked. Their ways are devious. But the key here is their use of words. One who says perverse Things. Now let's talk about this word perverse and perversion in this passage. This is not just describing any behavior or lifestyle that we or society would consider extreme or weird or repulsive uh, to the majority. Uh, it, it's quite obvious to us that some in our culture have abandoned the ways of God for the ways of darkness. It's very obvious in our culture that some have no interest in God and uh, many enjoy doing evil. And here it's describing legal evil. Not illegal, but legal evil. Um, there are many who celebrate good, what God as good what God calls bad, with, with special days to parade in the streets and special television shows where we not only acknowledge it, but celebrate it. Now, our danger is that we only think about that. That's not the primary point of this passage. This word for perverse and perversion in this passage is a Hebrew term that simply means to turn upside down, to turn inside out, to get things backwards. That's the meaning of this word. Perverted speech here is not limited to bad words and dirty jokes. What we're talking about here, here we go, is any behavior 
Any behavior that is not in alignment with God's will and ways as revealed in the Scriptures. Any behavior that does not align with God's will and ways in Scripture for you and for and for me. Uh, we're talking about twisting things here. God's wisdom enables us to discern, to analyze, to see through the subtle yet poisonous changes in meaning of words that turns things upside down, inside out, calls good bad, and calls bad good. For example, for example, in politics, I mean, if you're politically active, we're a politically active country, but in politics, pay attention to how people use the word patriotism. Pay attention, because what they might really mean is nationalism, which leads to, let's, why don't we take over the rest of the world? Or we're all that matters in this world, our country. Be very, just pay attention to how people use the word patriotism. Hitler liked that word. What we have there is not an example of patriotism. We have a horrible example of nationalism and cost the world a pretty price. In society, listen for the ways that people use the word family and the word marriage. In religion, pay close attention to how people use a good word like Jesus and use a good word like salvation. Give it a new definition. Bad people use good words to do bad things, and they fool many of us. But if you know God and have His wisdom, you might not be able to explain exactly what bothers you about the words of someone, but you will be able to recognize there's a problem here and choose not to buy it. Haven't you ever done that? Haven't you ever heard a message or read a book or an essay or listen to a sermon, a pastor stands up like me, and you're listening, and on the inside you're going, I don't, what? I'm, I don't feel good about this. You ever had that? This little, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Well, if you're walking with God in His wisdom, and you can't, you've got that uncomfortable thing, He's protecting you. From, you don't have to understand it all, but He's protecting you from buying it. He gives us wisdom. So He not only protects us from devious people, He also protects us from, number two, from sexually immoral people. Look at verse 16 through 19. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a stranger with her flattering talk, who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her, none reach the paths of life. Now, the, the sexually immoral woman is described here because, the, again, the context of our passage. It is a father instructing his young adolescent son, uh, again, entering puberty with all the increased sexual tension that comes at that point in life. So it's, it's, a, it's a father talking to his son. But in principle, this applies to all genders. Fathers and mothers warning their daughters about sexually immoral uh, males, young men or men, predatorial, adult, any man or woman who's open to sexual immorality, it's a warning there to all of us uh, to 
about how to respond to sexually immoral people inviting us to join in with them. Now, notice here this word here. Underline the word forbidden in verse 16. Solomon here calls the woman forbidden. Now, what this means to you and me is this. God says that there are some people who are sexually off limits to you and me. Now, how many of you grew up in the 60s like me, came of age in the 60s like me? You remember Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? How many like them? It's not, I like their music. I still, I still got the album but I'm, and, but that I listen to every now and then. But they had a song, big hit, uh, that was the opposite of this. And it was entitled, Love the One You're With. You can't be with the one you love? Hey, love the one you're with. That was the 60s. Sounded great. Sexual freedom quickly degenerated into AIDS and herpes and sexually transmitted diseases and destroyed lives and a destroyed culture. Um, just so you know. God was right. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were not. Nor was my generation that led out into all this foolishness. We were wrong. We were wrong. He's saying, he's saying there are people who are sexually off limits to you. Mate. Well, who is it? Well, here it is. Jot this down. Ready? Here we go. The Scripture says here that anyone who is not your spouse is off limits. Well, I'm not married. Well, then guess what? Everybody's off limits. That's what that means. Everybody's off limits. And if you pursue that, guess what? You are not being warned. You become the person that... Solomon's warning everybody about. You know, he, he not only says here in verse 12, I can find it here, rescuing you from the way of evil. We tend to think, well, they're going to rescue me from those devious people and those sexually immoral people. He's also implying here that God's wisdom will keep you from becoming the devious man in the seductive woman because we can we can and do that how do you pick them out you're not married to them they're not married to you here he speaks in terms of adultery they're adulterous they're willing to abandon the spouse of their youth and they're also religious people they're in church they are disobedient church people because she's described as abandoning the covenant of her god willing to disobey God for this. But the key here, once again, is the wrong use of words. With flattering talk, slick talk, slippery talk, seductive talk, one translation calls it her smooth words. So once again, it's the use of words that we watch for. So when a married person of the opposite gender begins to confide at you at the office that they're unhappy at home, watch out. When they begin to offer their love to you, watch out. When invitations to do lunch alone come to you, watch out. When open invitations to an affair come, run, 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 run. And God's wisdom will help you see this way before that happens. Sometimes God gives you His wisdom through your spouse. I just I asked permission, Allison, but I'm going to 
I'll ask later. I, I just, it's just wonderful being married to my wife. And, uh, but all, all through our ministry and life together, sometimes we'll be leaving, because this is church people. He's talking about, watch out for this gal and this guy that's going to abandon their covenant with God. So you run into them at church. And pastors tend to do that. And so we'll be walking out to the car someday, and Allison said, did you, did you notice, meet that so-and-so lady? Uh-huh, he said, she said. There, there's one. Now, you, I hope your spouse will do that for you. We're not always like, you know, God gives us, He blesses us. He puts counsel around. That's His wisdom. That's my precious wife giving me the counsel of God. Watch out here. Just be careful here. And you better. Why? Because there's a warning here. Verses 18 and 19 say, For her house sinks down to death, and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her, none reach the paths of life. That's a warning since we're talking about songs of the 60s. It's interesting. One of the, great, one of the greatest warnings against sexual immorality was given by some of the rowdiest guys in the business. You know who I'm talking about, Jimmy? Eric Burden and the Animals. House of the Rising Sun. And it's been the ruin of many a poor boy. That's what you're singing about. Sexual immorality has been the ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I'm one. Go back and listen to that song. It is a song of repentance and of one crying in agony who has already gone down to the depths of death because of sex being involved with a sexually immoral person. It results in the death of marriage. It results in the death of families. It results in the death of communities. It results in the death of a society. And sometimes it results in the physical death of the, of the fool who goes with the adulterer or the adulteress. There have been a lot of people shot and killed over this. There have been wars started in this world over someone committing adultery where hundreds and thousands and even you know who knows how many people lost their lives over this it, it, it's nothing but death spiritual death physical death death of the culture and so we need no less than a living savior in his wisdom to protect us from sexual immorality either from someone who's sexually immoral or for us becoming the sexually immoral persuader. Pastor Ray Ortland Jr., who I really like, sums up this passage this way. Our Father is saying in Proverbs chapter 2, if you will seek newness of life in Christ, you will go deep with Him and you will change within yourself then you'll be prepared for a life in the real world. That's how grace works. Pray with me. Pray with me. So take a moment and let me just say to those of you who when we took our spiritual temperature, you admitted honestly, you know, I'm not really interested in Jesus. I'm not really interested in particular in pursuing Him or His will for my life. I want to do what I want to do. But you've realized 
then because of that, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And that God is knocking at the door of your heart, encouraging you to turn from your self-righteousness, sin-controlled life, and place your faith in Him. Become His follower. Then do so. And for those of us who are already followers of Christ, maybe we've realized, wow, I, I really I want to grow in my love for and relationship with Christ because I want His wisdom and protection from devious people and sexually immoral people, from becoming a devious and sexually immoral person in this world. Well, then ask Him for it. Take the time and ask Him for it now. So, Lord, we want to thank You that You have made it possible for us to live under Your care and Your supervision. To live under Your shepherding and Your rule, Your leadership, Your reign as King over our lives. To be protected in this life and transformed to for skillful living to live life at its best with You through Your grace. And Lord, we give You thanks for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.